Editing Emily here. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick note about this week's episode. I had a great time talking to an old friend. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Please do listen to it. Um, but I do want to apologize for my audio quality on my end. Um, despite my best efforts, my computer seems to think the only microphone I ever want to use is the microphone on the Logitech Brio, which... Uh, you know, webcam microphones, they're a little mids heavy. So I did want to apologize for that. I did my darndest to fix it. Um, but it is not as good as Monique's audio. And even though our audio kind of, I'm trying to like match the volume, just the presence of the mids makes it sound louder than Monique's. So again, I do apologize. I wish that I knew <laughs> that was happening. I'm very clearly uh, talking into a microphone that didn't exist. So thanks again to Monique. Please enjoy the rest of the episode and please don't hate me. I, I think it's very listenable, but I did feel like I had to say something. Enjoy. Well, welcome to Get Offset. My name is Emily and I'm here with Monique. How are you doing, Monique? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people in the, the music guitar industry do know Monique from a variety of sources. I think we first met um, kind of unofficially in the She Shreds Not So Secret Facebook page. Yeah, that's right. I, I haven't checked there in a while, but um, that was definitely a really cool place to hang out for sure. Yeah, I mean, it could be. <laughs> I know we've talked about it before a little bit, but, you know, I feel like it's just kind of inevitable with any group. There's going to be people like you jive with and people that you kind of like just extremely don't. Yeah. Like nobody in there I really like disliked, but there were definitely some conflicts where I don't know. Like, okay, so the Ben thread. I think this is a thing in other groups where people just like to put all the negative content into one thread versus mm. like people like like the catharsis of just making your own post about your own thing. Yeah. Which I get. I'm in some bigger groups on Facebook and the amount of like just trauma dumping is exhausting. Yeah, totally emotionally exhausting but this was mostly stuff like women being like i went to guitar center and they asked me if i'm sure these are the guitar strings my boyfriend wanted yeah like i in theory i think the bin thread is a good idea but it also like i don't know there's also such a thing as toxic positivity you know <laughs> it's yeah. important to like talk about those issues as they arise especially for like newbies you know because yeah. then they kind of know what to expect about certain things. And I don't know. I just, I, I know it's like annoying to have to see those things, but um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Newbies. What, what to expect? Just, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're a lady and you're just starting to play guitar, it's better than it used to be, but there's totally. still some room for improvement. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I first started playing guitar, I remember um, I bought a 1985 BC Rich Warlock and I had no business 
buying or playing that kind of guitar because I had no idea what the Floyd Rose was or like how to do anything with it. So I took it to a guitar repair shop and the guy that was helping me was just, oh, he was a nightmare. He's so rude. (laughs) I was like, I'm only like 15, man. (laughs) Just trying to figure this out. Nobody at 15 knows what that is. Like, like, (laughs) it's not the girl thing. It's the first guitar thing. Yeah. And it's just funny because... One of my friends, I was in, I was a band kid in high school. So one of my friends in, in band who was a metalhead, like, he was like, oh yeah, you know, you could just, just play like a normal guitar and he like undid, undid the locks and stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. I should have just asked you to begin with, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you play in band? Uh, so I played tenor saxophone and oh. um, yeah, I started. Saxophone, middle- that's the cool saxophone. Yeah. After, right after Barry sax. Yeah, definitely tenor and Barry are like, it's like a, a dual partnership, right? Um, so yeah, I, I started in middle school and then uh, when I got to high school, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going all in. And it was great because we started a month before everybody else did. And I had the opportunity to like befriend like a bunch of seniors and juniors and sophomores and stuff. But I was in marching band, pep band, concert band, and jazz band. So it was just like lots of band stuff going on. Oh, and like, you know, we were doing like football games and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. I loved it. Yeah, I never did marching or pep band. I was going to do marching band because it was supposed to take care of the PE credits, which I just, Mm. you know, I wanted to take other classes. And then they took that away from us. They took it away from us. So I did a summer jam. I was like, you know what? I don't want to do marching band. I played trombone. Oh, sick. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did concert band. I did brass band. Uh, We didn't really have a, we didn't have a jazz band in high school, but Mm -hmm. if we had, I would have played guitar in it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, (laughs) I definitely should have practiced more. I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was, you know, but um, I loved playing saxophone and I like, since I graduated from high school, ever since then, I've always talked about getting another one. But I feel like the bar for entry for sax is a lot higher than it is for guitar. Like, yeah. you know, it's getting better now. Like there's this, I'm sure you've heard of it, but there's this guy who runs a company. Uh, I think it's called Better Sax, where he's like trying to sell like nicer saxes at a lower price point. But okay. I think so far he only has altos and mm. I'm a tenor gal. <laughs> no, the alto, it's fine. But like... What what blow? You know, I I bet it would kind of be like riding a bike, but I don't. If you put a trombone in my hands today, and sheet music in front of me, I could not. I there, I couldn't do anything. I'd have to start at least like refresh all the intro shit, and then maybe graduate once again to like being able to read music. And that's for me. Like that's it. Like I never learned how to read beyond. Like I can read a chord chart. And mm-hmm. I can obviously read like tabs with shaped notes, you know, determining like the count of it. But I, I've never learned how to read a clef music on guitar, which I know isn't uncommon. I mean, guitar is one of the hardest notes to sight read. Yeah. I'm sorry. One of the hardest instruments to sight read for because you can play like an E on any string. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. So I went to um, Woodside High School in Woodside, California. And um, Woodside received, like, you know, had a lot of alumni that went on to become, like, you know, people that worked in Silicon Valley and stuff. So um, we had a lot of really nice instruments. So the sax I played for four years was a Selmer Paris Mark VI, which is, like, one of the 
the how do I say it's like the PRS of the sex world (laughs) or like you know the vintage like you know 1968 like strat kind of thing you know like so um, how do you go go from that to like being able to afford a squire (laughs) they're like they're I think if you were to buy like a 60s mark 6 now they're they're like eight thousand (laughs) dollars mine was all like messed up but I loved it you know oh my god so it's going from from like an eight thousand dollar guitar to what saxophones are kind of expensive in general aren't they yeah they're like like at least a couple grand and that's like the nice you know nicer ones the cheap yeah. ones, it's like, it's not even worth it. Cause then you're just dealing with, you know, a ton of problems with the keys and like intonation yeah. issues. It's just a total pain in the butt. So yeah, I'm seeing like 850 as student series for Yamaha. Uh, um, that's an etude. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm like in the McNeela beginner tenor is 835. And this is why students tend to rent instruments at that age. Yeah, Roland came out with this, um, it's like one of those like MIDI sax controllers. And it was really funny because I went to NAMM in 2019 and I went over to the, I really wanted to try one out, but then like it was right around the time, or not 2019, it was 2020. It's right around the time we were hearing about all this COVID stuff. So I'm standing there at the booth, like talking to this guy and I was like, wait, are you like putting your mouth on that mouthpiece because they only have one mouthpiece yeah and so they're like disinfecting them in between sessions Ew, I, I didn't know are people bringing their own reeds at least well like so they have like it's like a digital reed it's made out of plastic uh, but there's a technique in saxophone which i'm sure you know which is trilling where you like trill the reed with your tongue kind of yeah. <laughs> like i'm no, not doing that <laughs> it's no, that's weird. nasty <laughs> yeah it was just funny because i was like this is like the real Nam, I mean, you know, before COVID, it was like, oh, I'm totally gonna get Nam thrax from this booth. So yeah. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Turns out, I think everyone just got COVID there. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Somehow I didn't get it that time, but it was it was good no. that I didn't. <laughs> no, I I got COVID after last year's Gear Fest, but not this year. Thank you. That's awesome. Not COVID. Um, yeah, I've, yeah, that was fun. This year's Gear Fest at Sweetwater was a lot better. I think than than last year's, which you didn't oh. go to last year's, but like, I just feel like the brands got it a little bit more and uh, like there were rooms for us to film in. some of my videos from that did really, really well. Oh, for those who don't know, uh, Monique was at gear fest with, um, we can say Seymour Duncan, right? Yeah. 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 Definitely. So Monique um, was with Seymour Duncan for how long were you working there? Uh, for a little over two years. It was like two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was so much fun. I'm really glad my coworker um, Matt was really like you. You really need to go so you can meet a lot of influencers and companies and stuff. And Sweetwater is just so cool. I mean, yeah. it was not your first time there, obviously, but I was like blown away. It's <laughs> like this is like Disneyland, <laughs> you know? It um, really is because yeah. you know it's not just like an office building. There is a whole ass guitar instrument store there. There are like legit as hell studios there's a big ass cafeteria where the food is like fine um (laughs) affordable yeah uh there's a stage they would play like music the dobi das would perform during lunch during gear fest and they have music i think a lot there's a salon there's like a doctor's office like i got my hair cut there last year it's like one of the best haircuts i ever got what oh man i need to go back and get my hair cut there that'd be awesome and the woman who cut (laughs) my hair she's like my my cousin's a singer and foreigner or something like that like what really i I feel like it was foreigner i could be wrong nice yeah it was cool going into those studios because um 
I met one of the um, main studio engineers there. I think his name is Sean, but I was telling him, um, or he was telling me that they have Dolby Atmos set up in there. And I had never, I had never heard Atmos like in person before, like on a real sound system, you know, like we have a pretty good, you know, set up at our home, mm-hmm. you know, in our house, but, but like not that fancy. Atmos requires like four monitors in yeah. the ceiling, at least like four to six monitors in the ceiling or something like that. Yeah. Like yeah. That whole like. So when, when they played you the Dolby Atmos, did they start with like some weird dance tracks? Because when I did the a, um, a demo, they started with these dance tracks where you could just hear the sound like rotating around your head, like a lasso oh, almost. Cool. And like we, we play this for people just so they can understand like what it really, like the, the spatialness of it. And then they played real songs. Oh yeah. So uh, they didn't, they didn't play the dance track. Um, immediately I started telling him about, um, cause I love, prog rock and metal um we started talking about porcupine tree he's like one of my favorite oh, bands yeah. and then he was like oh yeah you know like i did the atmos mixing for animals as leaders so he played one of their songs red miso and i just saw them like a few weeks ago um they opened for dream theater in devon townsend and they played that song and i i just won't hear that song the same way again because i was like sitting there in the studio being like oh my gosh this is so cool <laughs> Yeah. It sounds so like full and you know they got so much going on in their music it was it was really great it sounds so exciting is is the thing it's just it's like hearing music for the first time yeah i got um they played when doves cry because i saw prince i'm like oh we gotta do some prince nice and it was just so wide in the verses and it also kind of like zoomed together into the middle for the chorus and just like the move just the movement and the motion of it it's like it's like nothing i've ever heard before yeah, I um, I wish I had a room like that. I could just go sit in and and listen to Atmos like all the time. You know, that'd be yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I know yeah. that Steve- no one would ever see me again. Yeah, <laughs> I know that Stephen Wilson. He's like also been like remastering a bunch of his favorite albums because like he's gotten to that level now where he just gets to like do a bunch of. He's done like a lot of Tears for Fears stuff because he's like a huge Tears for Fears fan, and yeah, I guess some of those remasters some mixing things that he like did in Dolby Atmos and I was like man I want to listen to all those in like the proper format now but um, I'll have to find a nice rich friend to <laughs> help me entertain this idea <laughs> yeah that I, they, I know they make headphones that are like Dolby Atmos headphones and I'd be oh, really? really curious to try a pair they're all like gaming headphones because I guess mm. that makes sense I do feel like gaming is more and more like pushing some audio stuff forward which is really cool yeah that's awesome i'm a big gamer so hopefully i can hop on this train that'd be, that'd be cool <laughs> have you been playing tears of the kingdom uh no i i just started Baldur's gate 3 a few days ago with my husband and um that's been really fun the voice acting is i'm like obsessed with voice actors so um, you know, as a musician, just fun yeah. to like ident- identify, oh, I know that person from such and such like franchise. Uh, but yeah, the voice acting is amazing and the music's really cool, but it would be cool to hear that. in like, you know, if it was mixed in Atmos, like, that'd be so yeah, awesome. you can hear the bad guy, like literally behind you chasing you or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> uncanny, <laughs> but because <laughs> yeah, like, um, I I've written about this before, but just how many video games, like there are audio cues that are very essential to gameplay and make it a lot easier because growing up like that didn't seem to be as important like i was playing shit like harvest moon like i wasn't playing anything like intense but when i started to move into like other games 
I would realize like in uh, Zelda, the music changes or you can hear like the bad guys approach. You're like, oh, it actually is good to be able to hear this. Even in Pokemon, like yeah. uh, Legend of Arceus. So I don't know if you know Pokemon at all, but no, like, um, <clears throat> like they're shiny Pokemon. And uh, it's just like a rare, like one in literally 4,000 chance of finding one. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's one like in the outer world, you'll hear like this little glistening, like ding ling ling sound, which will tell you there's a shiny Pokemon nearby. Nice. <laughs> it's like, awesome. kind of, it like, oh, that makes it a lot easier to find them. <laughs> yeah. That's so Me funny. and my, my one shiny Electabuzz. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, she wouldn't yeah. even know if you didn't hear the sound because it looks exactly the same but this is a pokemon Uh, podcast now that's awesome (laughs) yeah i I love love video game music like i grew up playing soikoden and final fantasy and soul caliber so i just um really latched on to like the more epic like final fantasy soundtracks when i was a kid (laughs) um but i just i was just talking about this last night to a friend but one of the most amazing soundtracks I think that's come out in like the last 10 years is the near automata soundtrack, which is really great because it was, um, I think it was composed by his name is Keiichi Okabe. I'm probably getting that wrong, but, um, it's just an unreal soundtrack. And both my husband and I played the game and after we beat it, we watched their live concert they did in Japan on YouTube. And we're actually going to go see one of the concerts in January in Los Angeles. It's like right near Nam, uh, So oh, we might sick. do both. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited because the singers are incredible. The compositions are amazing. It's just, and it just like add, added such a vibe to the experience in the game. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that's that's something that's still pretty pretty new to me, but it's such an interesting topic, like the evolution of video game music from going going from like very very synthesized little doop 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 sounds to <laughs> like l- like literal orchestral stuff. Yeah, and even the I have such a s- soft spot in my heart for like the doop de doops like music because I used to play like these old uh, MMOs online with my friends like back in the day. And, you know, they're all like MIDI soundtracks and stuff. And I still have a lot of those yeah, MIDI like, files on my computer. <laughs> like all that chiptune stuff. Yeah, it's like nostalgic. Nice. Yeah, it is. It is. People really like that. Um, one of the things people love about Stardew Valley is the soundtrack. Yeah. Like that has like, millions of Spotify plays. People just put on like big. I'm a big cozy gamer. If I do gaming, like Tears of the Kingdom is the most intense shit I've ever played in my life. And I have. Out. I have mixed feelings about it. like I'm really enjoying it. it's like the open world thing but like the combat I'm just like I hate this like I play video games like mellow out like cozy grove and stardew kingdom <laughs> and uh just stuff like that where it's you know vibes story just like not gonna stress you out one thing I liked about the game cozy grove um, was that there's really only so much you can do per day. Like it's limiting in a way that doesn't make you want to play it all night long. So like you do it in the morning, like I would do it with a cup of coffee. I had to like feel pretty good. I'm like, all right, I collected all the twigs and tree branches and mushrooms and stuff. And I 
you know, helps the bears ascend to heaven or whatever the game is about. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that that's my my speed on things because like I work all the time. <clears throat> yeah. And it's really nice to just have something relaxing because like I do a lot of the, the video editing myself. Like I find that to be like generally kind of relaxing, but when shit goes wrong, it's like, oh my fucking god what <laughs> oh no i filmed a demo yesterday and i'm glad i filmed from a couple of audio sources because even though rick was monitoring the audio mm-hmm. he couldn't hear it it was clipping so badly oh no so i'm like oh, okay well the di- like so like the direct signal end was fucked but like the mic signal was fine mm-hmm. you know not ideal in the placement or anything but it worked yeah the, the, i don't have to go refilm i admire you for like saying that you enjoy video editing because it's literally like the ninth stage of hell for me <laughs> i'm just like uh like i'll do it when i have to but i i always put it off for as long as possible so you know the, it's the same kind of thing that the more you do it the easier it gets i'll yeah. tell you what my my ninth circle of hell is uh, social media <laughs> oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) really it's not my favorite thing like i'm i'm a copywriter people who listen to the podcast know that i do like copy editing for you know in my brands and uh social media is just not my strength but just anything short form it's not it like you need four thousand words about something i'm your guy (laughs) if you need 250 words maybe if you need 1200 words yeah sure but like under 1200 words i find I find difficult and I find not as fulfilled about it. Like sometimes I'll see someone who's really good at social copy and they'll come in and like edit my post. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> I just don't, I just, that's just not how I write. It's not how I talk. It's not how I quip. And yeah, I just I feel like weird about it. I feel like people think that social media is like this fun, sexy job where all you do is like browse Instagram all day long. And <laughs> it's like, it's totally not. It's really <laughs> not. It's like, like a 15 a of, step process. Yeah. There's a lot of planning and especially for a business, there's like a lot of, um, you know, like checking, like factual checking and, you yeah. know, it kind of, it can kind of suck the enjoyment off of like being on social media for yourself personally, if you're already on it all day for work. So, which um, is maybe a good thing in some ways, yeah. but yeah, it's like the idea of, uh, don't get a day job doing something that you want to do outside of work. Kind of, yeah. uh, I, there is, a, I, well, obviously I've been again, copywriter, but sometimes in my other job, <clears throat> when I was just kind of a normal, more normal content marketing kind of person, people would reach out to me on LinkedIn. Like, Hey, I see you're like the strategy director to content marketing agency. Can I get coffee? I just want to see if this like is right for me. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, I, so I did it a few times. And I remember one woman, she was like, well, I just want to be a writer. Like I want to write like novels and stuff. I'm like, then I don't think you should do this. Mm. I think that you should get a physical job where you're actually going to want to go home, sit on the sofa and write because, yeah. or at your desk or whatever, because if you're at a desk all day writing for other people about stuff like that you don't even care about. Like I had to write about um, maternity fashion based on your trimester and like the season. Like I had like me, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a t-shirt, like a long sleeve shirt right now. It just says rat boys. on. Like what? Why am I, why am I writing fashion advice for mothers? I'm not a mother. 
<laughs> I've never had to buy maternity clothes. Oh man, that's rough. <laughs> it was rough. Or like uh, insurance for CPAs, but like you go home. I mean, so you do that all day at work. You're sitting at a desk. You're writing about shit you don't care about. Then you go home and you're supposed to want to write more. Yeah. It's yeah, hard. It, it doesn't work that way. You have to do something that like, you're going to want to like get off your feet and be creative because you want, you want something that you're just like so mundane. Like if you really want to be a writer, I think you should clean houses. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should do something like that. So that's not too, that doesn't take a lot from you mentally. You can kind of zone out while you do it. You can daydream a bit while you do it. And then when you go home, you don't want to stand up and do more stuff. You want to sit down. You want to get that out. Like that's, I think the dream kind of job for that kind of passion. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we also, you know, I've also worked in MI and do music stuff. So it's hard yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it definitely, it's totally hard sometimes. I mean, you know, having just been working in the music industry for almost 10 years for like EMG and Seymour Duncan and Guitar Tricks and Gimme Radio and stuff. It's like, yeah, it can be, you can be a little draining when you're like, okay, all, you know, and I do marketing. So all day long, I'm like doing marketing for, you know, whoever. And then I log off for the day or I go home for the day. I'm like, okay, now I have to work on my band stuff yeah. <laughs> and I have to do more marketing for my band stuff. Which it can be hard. I mean, I've definitely struggled with that in the past. Yeah, it's hard to eat your own dog before. food. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to focus more on my band stuff for for this year because we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. And Yeah, you know. let's talk about your band stuff. Yeah, so I'm in a Black A's band, which is uh, called Embryum. And Black A's you is... To, yeah, that's what you're going to explain. Black yeah, A's. so Black A's <laughs> is a, it's a genre that mixes shoegaze and black metal. For like this kind of like ambient, uh, it's a little bit more lo-fi than a lot of like black metal can be. Nice. Um, and and it's, it's very atmospheric. Um, and I started listening to Shoegaze actually in about 2013. I started getting really into My Bloody Valentine. And then um, I've, I've been a metalhead like my whole life. And yeah, so I started like listening to more Shoegaze bands. And I really got into the Sergeant Hout Ro- Sergeant House roster, which the Mars Volts used to be on, and I'm a huge fan of theirs. Um, so yeah, I started like getting more into that genre, and then after playing and like I used to play in an indie rock band with a few friends, and then after that project ended, I started like my friends were really like, you know, like you know, you could you, you should play metal. You like love metal and like you love doing this, and I was like, eh, I don't know, I just I didn't feel very confident in my ability because I'm not a very technical guitar player, mm-hmm. so. Um, I started writing some songs during the pandemic and my husband is an amazing guitar player and wrote some really awesome solos. And then, uh, I invited one of my other friends who does like, you know, the growl vocals to come and put some <laughs> ideas down. And honestly, like our first EP, we recorded at different fur studios in San Francisco, um, which is where Stevie wonder recorded some platinum albums, which was mind blowing to me when we walked in there wow. and found that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first EP did really well. I got some write-ups and metal injection and some podcast features on Apple music and Spotify and stuff. So, uh, right now we're just finishing the writing on our first full length and, uh, hopefully that'll be coming out sometime next year. Sick. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of fun. Nice. Well, that's, that's really cool. So, uh, can you just like give the name of the band a few, a few times for repetition? Yeah. Yeah. So the band name is called Embryum. 
So it's called and Embryum, the band is Embryum. Yeah. Yeah. Embryum. So people will remember to look up Embryum. Yes. <laughs> it's um it's actually uh because I'm a huge nerd, it was uh Embryum is the name of an herb inside the game Dragon Age. <laughs> um, which is funny because now when you search for Embryum on Google, you'll probably see a bunch of weird flowers from a video game. <laughs> but nice. then if you just search, search for Embryum Band, we'll come up because I tried to, you know, uh, finagle the SEO to do that properly. But <laughs> naming my band Herba Mystica. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. that's so fun. And that also brings the video game conversation full circle, yes. which is cool. Yes. That's cool. Well, uh, yeah. So... I've been, I've been traveling a lot lately, and this is, I think, the first episode I'm recording of the podcast, like back at my house, which is really nice. I tell you what, dude, being home is awesome. Yeah, you've been busy this year. Yeah, summer times are usually busy. I've been so busy that so uh, last weekend I was at the Minnesota State Fair, and the weekend before that I was at the Fretboard Summit in Chicago. And the week in between, I had one of the worst colds in my life. Like, I had a really bad oh, wow. cold. I was worried. It, it ended up clearing up by about, like, Friday. So, like, I was able to fly to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to turn down a gig. I had to, like, drop out of a gig for the first time, like, ever. Oh. Because I was like, I just don't have the time to learn these songs. Yeah. Like, I... I thought that it would be fine because of a lot of like folk artists and I listened to it. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff going on in these songs, like Sean Colvin and stuff. Like it was a tribute night. Um, so it was like Sean Colvin, the Indigo Girls and Tracy Chapman. Cool. And honestly, the Tracy Chapman songs would have been fine. But uh, the musical director was like, Ooh, I'm trying to find us. Like, can you do slide guitar? Can you do pedal steel? I'm like, I really don't have the bandwidth to like, do that because <laughs> I am as far as pedal steel go- goes I can do like some very basic stuff it doesn't take a mm-hmm. lot of work with pedal steel to like do something mm-hmm. but it's like that people will recognize and like but to be really good at it to the point where you can do like solos and real fills is th- that takes some time so like between being sick I'm like you know if I was not sick and I knew I could like do two to three hours a night for the rest of the time I'm in town on this then yeah i could do that but you know what i just want to sleep yeah you gotta listen to your body that's like yeah. super important <clears throat> yeah so like you can't you can't have it all but also i've been reading this book called when i say no i feel guilty <laughs> oh my gosh i <laughs> need to is, read that <laughs> dude. like it's i'm not that far in it but it's really interesting so far and i think i'm gonna like it but awesome. you know it, it takes so it's so hard to like disappoint people Hmm. or feel like you're disappointing them even when you're not so you just say yes to everything Mm -hmm. and there have been a few things in my life where I said no because I was busy and then I kind of regretted it and I think about that a lot too (laughs) yeah it's it's funny when um people have asked me for like you know different guitar mags I got interviewed for were like what kind of budding advice would you share to people that want to work in the you know succeed in the music industry and I'm just like dude it's a lot of driving yeah there's a lot of driving you know because like you're like if if you're also like 
us where you have a hard time saying no to things, you end up like overexerting yourself a lot. So there's just been time where I was like, oh, Paul Reed Smith is doing a clinic in Santa Rosa and I'm in Redwood City right now. I'm going to drive like an hour and a half after, like during rush hour to get up there so I can meet Paul and like talk to him, you know? Yeah. So So it's like, it's not even just like touring because people are like, oh yeah, obviously there's a lot of driving involved with touring, especially if your routing is really bad. But uh, there's so much downtime and that kind of thing too. But there's a lot of travel if you want to do this, this right. Like. I like going to Gearfest Sweetwater and going to 42 Gear Street in Germany mm-hmm. and, you know, other planning other events, something in Chicago. And you want to be present at all these because one, they're fun. They are yeah, undeniably so fun. fun. They are a lot of work and it is exhausting. Like just turning yeah. up for something and turning on. Like um, I was a judge for the germanium chef at the fretboard summit. And for those who don't know, it hasn't like the footage hasn't been cut together yet, but it was a, um, a fuzz face build off between Robert Keeley and Heather Brown from Heather Brown electronicals. Cool. And uh, so I was a judge on that. And even if you're just like kind of on the stage to show up, you still have to like be on, you have to answer questions and so that that part of it or do research or you know walking around is exhausting all day at these things <laughs> yeah it's funny like how you can get like just exhausted from being at nam but then you know run into somebody and you're like oh my gosh like can we talk about guitars you know <laughs> and you're like, yeah. after you sit the whole day talking about guitars you're like okay let's let's talk about guitars <laughs> the whole day song. talking about guitars and then you you go and you talk about them some more because this is what we love it really is so yeah. i do recommend that people if you want to like you gotta stop talking about guitars sometimes <laughs> you gotta talk about other stuff <laughs> with the people like i saw um joel from chase bliss and we just talked about the minnesota state fair Oh, nice. Like, I've cool. never, I've never really talked to him, and, but I knew he was from Minneapolis and I was going to the fair. So I was like, oh, I'm going there. He's like, oh, I love the fair. You got to find those like things that you have in common with people mm. outside of music. Cause like we talk about guitar all the time. <laughs> there was, and like, there was a point where I was going on a lot of po- other podcasts back when I started this one and people would just want to ask me about like, what's it like being a woman in guitar? I'm like, well, it's getting to ask that question a lot. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, uh, man. I think there was one that I was on. I won't I won't name, but he, 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 I forget what happened. But I, I did say, you know, I would love to do, like, these kinds of things and, like, talk about just, like, normal guitar shit, like, men get to. But every time I'm on one of these, I get asked what it's, what's it, what is it like being, being a woman. And I'm like, well, it's probably a little bit like what you would expect where you get weird rude comments about your body oh, a lot yeah <laughs> you it's get so, weird rude comments it's so funny because there's so many like cool people that don't do that you know and there's just like a few folks who will ask like weird questions like that and you're kind of like oh man can't you just be more cool yeah i got a comment <laughs> the other day i'm like this is like definitely like it's not a mean comment but it's yeah. still like weird like what did he say oh that smile, so damn cute. I'm like, okay, well, that's not so bad, but like, ooh. <laughs> Thanks, oh, I guess. <laughs> I remember, I remember one time at Nam. I'll share this story with with your audience. I was uh, I was at the Hilton having a couple drinks after a long day, 
And this really drunk guy comes up to me and this story just like, oh man, sends my feminist furor into a craze. <laughs> he walks up to me and he, he's like super drunk and he's like, do you even play guitar? And I was like, I've been playing guitar for 25 years, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been like, playing guitar since I was eight years old, bro. And then he grabbed my hand and started feeling oh, the calluses on my left hand. And he's like, he's like, they're pretty soft. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't have disgusting hands. <laughs> I use lotion, you fool. <laughs> and then I was also like, who does that? You would never do that uh, to a guy. No, <laughs> like, no, you get punched so in the mouth. Yeah, it's so strange. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, the the ownership over your body, just grabbing, grabbing you physically. Real yeah. fun stuff, real very, fun stuff. Very strange, dude. So I just like turned around. It was like funny, I just like, you know, 180, like, just not talking to this person anymore. <laughs> Hell no. It reminds me of, like, Kathy Valentine's memoir, though, where she said, like, yeah, you know, people would, some people would be really shitty, but for the most part, the people who are real musicians, the men who are real musicians are very secure in their, like, place, yeah. and they're going to treat you with respect. Like, I've never had, like, a real musician, like, dismiss me for being a girl, essentially. Yeah. Like, well... Maybe here and there that happens, but I, I would agree that for by and large, the people who are like real ones and secure and confident, they're not the ones who are acting like that, man. That's that's a that's such a place of insecurity. Yeah. Of like your place in the world that you you treat it like it's some weird club or there's not room for more people. There's always room for more people in guitar. <laughs> yeah, I I watched I don't know if you saw this video making the rounds on social media recently, but somebody clipped this uh, video of Steve Vai receiving like a fan letter back in the eighties. And he was like, the fan letter was like, what do you think about women that play guitar and blah, blah, blah. And Steve Vai was just like, dude, keep rocking it, man. Like we need more women like playing guitar and like, I support you no matter what. And I was just like, Steve, Aww. you're so sweet. <laughs> you know, like That's so nice. what a good, he was the first uh, guitar God I ever met. So it was like special Aww. in that way because, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll tell you how that happened. But I, so when I was in band in school, um, we had uh, a partnership with the Grammys. Uh, so they had this program called Grammys in the schools. Oh, so cool. they invited us to this event where my, my teacher comes to class that day and he's like, does anybody know who Steve Vow is? And me and my buddy oh. were like, Steve Vai? <laughs> he's like, yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, he's doing this event at the Fillmore in San Francisco uh, this weekend. And if you guys want to go, we can sign you up and blah, blah, blah. So me and my buddy who played tenor two, we were both like, we're going to SF. This is so exciting. You know, yes. we're only like 16. Um, so we drive to SF and um, we get to go to sound check. And then afterwards we go upstairs at the Fillmore and he, we get to do like a Q&A session with him. And I just remembered being like, oh, my gosh. Like I, I was only 16. I was completely starstruck and I was like, this guy is amazing. And I think I asked him a question, but I don't remember what he said because I was like, <laughs> so like, oh my God, he's talking to me. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really cool. And then we left afterwards because we were so broke. We couldn't afford tickets to the show. <laughs> so oh, like, that's well, right. I guess we got to see the sound check. <laughs> yeah. We had something called Grammy U in college and it was kind of like that. And I was in it. I was only in it for one year because I was, it, wasn't that great but uh i think brand brandy carlisle like, she did something like that with with it and we also oh. didn't get to go to the show after but um up on my mic um but there we got to see the soundtrack 
cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, she's awesome. She really is. You know, she's from Seattle. Like really? Yeah. She, uh, actually my, my cousin Todd, he owned a bar for a long time in um, Queen Anne, upper Queen Anne called Paragon. Mm-hmm. And she was a regular performer there before she hit it big. So she and Todd go way back. He's even quoted in like some early Rolling Stone article about her. Sweet. And uh, right before he closed, she, I forget what other major rock star she brought in. Like, or not, it didn't close. He sold the place. It might mm. be closed now. I don't know. But he sold the place right before the pandemic. Great timing. And <laughs> and uh, she came by in one of the last days. She seems like a, a real one. Whoa, that's that's really cool. I wasn't yeah. super familiar with her music until I started working at Gimme Radio. But oh, um, yeah? So Gimme Radio was like a streaming metal platform where they had like a 24-7 like feed. And then they would have live DJ shows that were curated by, um, you know, various artists. But the main roster was like Dave Mustaine and Randy Blythe from Lamb of God and Johan Hegg from Amon Amarth and just people like that. And that was mm-hmm. cool working with them. Eventually... Gimme Radio launched Gimme Country, which was like a whole country. It was supposed to cater to more of like country audiences that felt kind of like overlooked by popular country radio stations. So it was like country radio is notoriously like unfriendly to certain groups of people. Yeah. So it was like a little it was more like old school country and Mm -hmm. then like um, a lot of Americana stuff. And then there was like um, Jesse Dayton, who I really like a lot. He's got some amazing stories. I wish I, I hope that those shows would somehow be uploaded online somewhere so people could just check them out because I learned so much about Brandy, for example, just by listening to people talk about her. And I was like, wow, this, this chick is badass. Yeah, she's got just one of the most powerful voices in music, I think. Just, oh, God, like a clear glass of water. It's. <laughs> Yeah, she's very special and very beloved up here. Yeah. <clears throat> but like country radio, it's it's I don't think it's ever gonna get better. And it's amazing to me that country is one of those genres where some of its biggest crossover stars get no support on on the radio. Yeah. Like it's 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 amazing. Like Tyler Childers he doesn't get really played on that kind of radio. But he can sell out huge venues. Jason Isbell is a similar way. I'm going to turn on airplane mode because I'm getting buzzing in my... This is a new thing for this room. But mm-hmm. uh, no, so uh, they don't play a lot of women, especially mm-hmm. they play virtually no black artists or artists of any color for that matter. Like they stopped playing Old Town Road after it was a hit because they just decided like, no. <laughs> And radio stations in the country specifically, despite having so many female superstars across the history of the genre, you think about country music at any time period, you're going to think of the women. You're going to think of Patsy Cline. You're going to think of Loretta Lynn. You're going to think of Reba McIntyre. You're going to think of like Carrie Underwood and uh, Lambert, uh, Miranda Lambert and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But they don't get as much radio support and for the most part, it's really hard to be a woman in country and have a number one song on anything that's not a ballad or like a a duet with somebody else. Like it's extremely rare, even for the big superstars to have number ones on anything that's not a ballad. And I think that's weird. Yeah, that's very strange. But like Casey Musgraves, no real country music support and then wins album of the year at the Grammys. Yeah, she's, 
she's pretty amazing. I didn't really know who she was until I started working there, but um, yeah, it was just cool to like see that there was this whole other world that I didn't really know much about, you know, cause I was not like a huge country fan, but um, you know, it was just interesting and informative. And I learned yeah. a lot of great artists I'd never heard of before. Like I was saying, Jesse Dayton, but mm -hmm. Brandy Clark was one of our DJs too. Oh, Brandy Clark. Dude. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, this guy, I think I'm saying his last name wrong, but I think it's Josh Headley. He's yeah, cool. Joshua Headley. I like his style. He's like very stylish. Yeah. And even um, Leanne Womack, we did, uh, she did oh. some guest features for us. And actually, I have to tell you about this cool giveaway we did while I was there. Yeah. So we had a fly out contest. And um, so the prize was you'd get the chance to fly out. We'd fly you out to go see Leanne Womack live. And um, so we picked the winner and this lady went with her husband and we, f we put him up in this hotel for a couple nights. And she was telling us that she met her husband at a Le Leanne Womack show 20 years ago what? and that they were going to be celebrating their 20th anniversary at the show. So I worked with Leanne's label to set up a surprise and everyone was in on it except for the lady, she obviously, <laughs> that she was going to meet Leanne at the show, but she had no idea. So like I told the label, I told everybody at the venue, I was like, you can't tell her that this is happening because I want it to be a surprise for her. Yeah. And then I told her, I was like, you know, make sure you stick around afterwards and make sure you reach text the manager because they have something for you. And um, I loved Gimme Radio before um this event happened but i heard about it after the fact and just the photo of her with leanne and oh. uh, her husband i could just tell the smile on her face i was like this is why i love what i do <laughs> it's oh, so satisfying <laughs> it's so cool leanne womack what yeah. a legend yeah. she went to the same college as me really that's yeah cool. belmont yeah uh so did florida georgia line but that's neither here nor there <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah no i mean i went to college in nashville oh cool that's yeah awesome. i lived there for eight years four years too long what did you major in music business like a oh wow <laughs> well i mean you're doing what your major is in. i i'm in the minority in on that one yeah. <laughs> i majored in art history in japanese but then i Dude, went in, you I, went into I almost majored in art history nice yeah but then i went into marketing and apparently a lot of art history majors that don't get their doctorate will go oh. into marketing so i was like okay yeah. that works yeah i was really into like the early christian art like the Hagia sophia oh, stuff okay. like that, oh so. i would love to visit that Dude. that's so cool I may never get to the Hagia Sophia, but I did get to go to Ravenna because I love those like that Ravenna style of mosaic. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is an art history podcast now. But on our honeymoon, we flew into Venice, this Venice stuff, and then we went to Ravenna for a few days. And I just got to bask in these incredibly influential mosaics at like in like three or four different locations and the food was great and the shopping was great and it was so much cheaper than florence and we had this like b and b and they, they gave us a bottle of champagne because it was our uh we we was like I mean, we gotta tell everyone it's our honeymoon just because you never know yeah. what kind of free shit you're gonna get yeah, you have to you have to you have to it doesn't hurt anybody yeah. but uh, it was uh that was i think our both of our favorite favorite stops on that vacation hell yeah highly we recommend ravenna 
Yeah, we went to Florence a few years ago, and um, this story is definitely related to the music industry. So we got to this restaurant, and we're it was beautiful. Like you could see, like you know, the Duomo, like in the background. It was like sunset, and we had this amazing wine that the server recommended. That was um, it was from his hometown. It was a Syrah. And um, it was made using the old method of like stomping on the grapes with your feet. So at Decibel Metal and Beer Fest, and I think it was 2018, it was at the um, the Wiltern in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And Mustaine was there because he was promoting his beers or whatever. And so my boss told me a few days before that I was going to be interviewing him possibly. And so I was like, oh, wow, okay, like got to bring my A game, right? So um, long story short, I show up in the room, I'm talking to Mustaine, and uh, he has his own uh, wine brand. And so I was was telling Dave, I was like, so, you know, I was telling him about my trip. And I was like, have you ever thought about, you know, producing wine that was like stomped by foot? And he was like, wait, you mean by like me personally? (laughs) I was like, no, but I'm sure your fans would pay a premium for that, my friend. <laughs> he was yeah. he's laughing. He's like, dude, I'll be like Lucille Ball. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, I'm so glad you got that. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Oh, Good old I day. love that. <laughs> I mean, if Metallica has their uh, whiskeys, then Mustaine should have his wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if he's stomping on the the grapes or whatever i heard he just moved to italy or he's moving oh, to italy or something yeah. and i was like oh, maybe he got inspired from our conversation <laughs> so sometimes good. i think about where like where rick and i would live if we didn't have to like worry about anybody else ever yeah you know sometimes i think i would love to move to like victoria in vancouver i'm not like outside of vancouver like on an island victoria um vancouver island <clears throat> in british columbia so we just love it there, but I'm like, it'd be really tough to be in my bands. <laughs> yeah. I have to, I'm like, ah, I like my music scene in Seattle. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, it took a lot of, it took a long time to get to the point where like I get called for gigs and stuff and I don't really yeah. <laughs> start over again at like 34. Yeah. I feel that like it's hard in the Bay area because it's so expensive here and the metal yeah. scene is really like taking a beating for that over the years. But then I'm also just like, dude, if I move, then it's going to be like, you know, I mean, my husband moves and be like two less metalheads in the bay. <laughs> you yes. know, I don't know. It's it's nice to like, you know, we're, we're friends with a lot of like our, you know, like Death Angel, for example, we've become really good friends with them. And I would just be sad to not see them as much. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're all based out of here. So, yeah, yeah. You, just leave, you, you make your community, you make you make of it um, what you can. And like Seattle is is so good for like local music, partially because I should say in large part because we have such great small venues. And I, I talk about this a lot. I think that's like the 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 the, the live or die thing about a local music scene is do you have small venues that like don't care if you don't draw because people are just going to come out to that place anyway. Like Connor Byrne in Seattle, like people are going to go yeah. to Connor Byrne. They're going to pay the $10 cover kind of regardless of what it is and they're going to en- enjoy their bar and places like that. And we really need to cherish these places and go yeah. to them and make sure they stay in business and make sure that like, they can afford their rent because that's a, that's a big problem in Seattle is, you know, buildings getting sold and tons of places too, but buildings getting sold. Um, and then the tenant doesn't own the building. They just were paying rent and now their business doesn't exist anymore. 
Yeah, the, a lot of the local venues have either been bought up by Live Nation or they've just closed. But actually, there's, there's this really cool place you'll have to visit if you're, next time you're in San Francisco. They're about to reopen it, but it's called Music City. And I used to practice there with my old band a lot. We would They'd have like, you know, the pre-loaded like practice rooms that have like oh, amps and a those. drum kit and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they've just remodeled the whole place. So they built a venue and got a liquor license on the main oh. floor. So now they're going to have shows in there. <laughs> And I told the guy, I was like, are you guys cool with having metal shows in here? Because like metal bands really need more venues in the Bay Area. And they're like, yeah, totally. Like whatever. So that's a place like that here called Substation that's just like that. It's awesome. And they do tons of metal stuff. That's so cool. Um, So yeah, Music City has like, in addition to the venue, they'll have practice spaces. They're going to have karaoke rooms. And they have (laughs) like a hotel hostel for bands to stay in when they're traveling. I'm like, yes. Love that. Because it's so hard to find all of those things in one. Yeah. Like the Crocodile is a place in Seattle. It's like, it's like tri venues. Like I think, I think there's three because Madame Lou's a a small, like kind of mostly comedy club. And then the bigger venue, the Croc. Then there's hotel, a hotel above it. And so the artists can stay in a real hotel for really cheap and do their laundry. That's so cool. Do the laundry, take a shower. <laughs> the laundry is essential. <laughs> the shower is not a truck stop shower for 11 bucks. And I hope you brought your uh, flip flops because. You- because yeah. you. <laughs> yes. No, they're usually, I, I, I feel like truck stop bathrooms are usually fairly clean. I I, I can't personally attest to this, but um, yeah, I read some really interesting stories in Rob Halford's uh, autobiography. Recommend it to everybody. (laughs) Oh, if you're interested in that kind of story about Rob Halford and his truck stop bathrooms when he was still in the closet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can imagine where that one's going. Yeah, just I love Rob Halford. His book is amazing. Um, I, I I love Judas Priest. Like I like listening to Judas. Every time I hear them, I'm like, you know what? This is good. This yeah. makes me happy. I don't know what it is. Yeah, he just is such a positive. Like after reading his book, it's called Confess. But after reading his book, I just am blown away by how positive and optimistic he is as a person. Like you'd be like, oh, I made this big whoopsie on tour, but whatever. Like my bandmates <laughs> still love me, and I'm like, I love that attitude. <laughs> I do too. One thing I love about Rob Halford is that movie Rockstar that's based on all of that. Oh, that's such a good movie. <laughs> that movie is nuts. Like I watched it recently and I was like, wow, there's some there's some choices that were made in this movie, like including Steven Jenkins in it in any capacity. Yeah. Some of the acting is real weird. But I really like that movie. It's such a guilty little pleasure for me. And then he moved to Seattle as like part of the grunge scene at the end. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch that again. It's been Probably since 2001, since I've seen that movie. But yeah, great soundtrack. So cute. (laughs) I really bonded with Glenn Fricker over Judas Priest. Oh, really? I think when I started talking, like we started talking about Judas Priest, he was showing me all the all these like pictures and stuff. He's like, I got to see Judas Priest, and uh, he loves Judas Priest. Yeah, he's like an old time thrash head. So when he found out I like thrash metal, he was like, Oh, we're friends now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, man. Like I'm all about it. He really is a sweet and funny guy. You wouldn't think that from watching his videos. <laughs> it's definitely the whole person. It's the persona thing, and that's something that uh, you know. Some people on YouTube are literally exactly who they are, mm-hmm. uh, but then there's some, there's some people who it's like, oh, you're putting it on a little bit. Like I'm yeah. sure you're not like totally putting it on, but like we all put it on a little bit yeah. because 
you want to watch you want to watch a demo of me when I'm like really sad? <laughs> no. <laughs> like so this is the UAFX Evermore. Uh I'm really tired today. And <laughs> I'm yeah. really just being crushed by the weight of the world. Let's There's talk probably about a market this. for Asmir videos like that. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you know my you know about my secret Asmir ASMR podcast. I haven't done an episode of that in a while. Okay. I also haven't looked at the stats, but yeah. So it's not it's not a huge secret, but I do for all those listening have a secret ASMR podcast. Oh, nice. I've been told that I should do like audiobooks because apparently people, when I was doing um, install videos for EMG, people would always comment on the YouTube videos and be like, you have such a soft, soothing voice. You sound like a mother. You should do audiobooks. And I was like, if you pay me, I will do this. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, that is a market. I wonder how how one gets into that. I feel like there was this program in prisons for a while where prisoners would read audio books and get paid and i feel like some very famous serial killer reads audiobooks <laughs> edmund kemper recorded himself for an initiative known as the blind project oh god hmm. ed kemper i don't like that I don't know who that is, but uh oh, he was he was the co-ed killer. I don't know if he did true true crime at all, but he was like in, in the sixties. He murdered a lot of women. Oh well, yeah. did you watch Mind Hunters? I didn't, but I heard it was good. Yeah, I only watched a couple of episodes, but he's featured in that. Oh my god, he read <laughs> Flowers in the Attic. So if you've ever listened to that on books on tape, it might be the fucking co-ed killer. I don't like that at all. Yeah. That's- and weird. star wars what <laughs> that's wild. what oh man the only like um crime stuff i'm super into is uh the documentaries on um the west memphis three um I haven't watched Par- those. paradise the, lost the, well they were like a satanic panic kind of thing weren't they well they they were like in falsely imprisoned so they are now all three of them have been released from prison um but and one of them was on death row Um, and I, I follow this case a lot because, uh, they were all met, like one of them was like a huge metalhead and used to wear Metallica shirts and stuff. And I just felt like, you know, I felt, I had a lot of, you know, I don't know the word, but I just felt bad. Like an an affinity. Yeah. So, um, I guess now they're, they're trying to sue the state of Arkansas to, um, test the original DNA kits from the murder of the three boys. Mm -hmm. Um, but the state of Arkansas is just... (laughs) passing the book on this one so <laughs> it's like the documentaries yeah. are amazing like it's just it's amazing the work that the uh filmmakers did to kind of help exonerate them and stuff it's really cool. that's really cool yeah but yeah so there was so much like satanic panic stuff in mm-hmm. in the 80s and yeah. that really metalheads were the vi- the victim of, of a lot of that just like the, this this whole like moral panic that ends up being based on a work of fiction that was published as like a memoir mm-hmm. and how that just snowballed into fat false accusations, largely against like perfectly good teachers. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I still don't really understand it, but every, everyone, like every now and then we still have like new moral panics mm. and people are so bad at realizing that 
they're almost always non-issues yeah. and then they just disappear because they were never real yeah like the like the caravan of like the migrant caravan you really stopped mm. hearing about that after a certain election and, and stuff like that it's just yeah. ways to build fear in people to get them to do to get them to rally around certain causes that can get certain people in power i guess <laughs> yeah i always i always feel bad for like metalheads unless they're they're shitheads because there's a lot of shitheads in the metal community but like when i hear stories like that i'm just like dude just because he was wearing like a slayer shirt man like come on like no it's just people slayer, who are health, you know? health health like getting out their emotions in healthy ways like they yeah. have healthy outlets they're not like holding it inside and pretending everything's perfect toxic positivity yeah, all of my um, non-metalhead friends are always like, "Wow, you're so like, you're so like chill and relaxed." I'm like, "Dude, because I listen to, like extremely aggressive music, you know, and I yeah. I play RPGs and I kill dragons in my free time, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's my stress relief. It's stress. Yeah, it's all about like finding a good stress relief. And I yeah, my my dad actually he didn't let me wear like all black in high school because like, I know the kind of kids who wear all black in high school. <laughs> I was like, I just want to wear like the clothes like I, I i'm not wearing black right now not that anybody can see this uh but like i wear black all the time yeah and i'm not a particularly mean person yeah totally <laughs> i'm wearing all black right now <laughs> yeah i can yeah. see yeah. jealous but uh i'm wearing i'm actually i'm even wearing orange pants which is weird so i got to gear street in germany and after a very long flight and kind of thick button fly jeans which was a fucking mistake uh i go i want to change into my lighter weight jeans which are black and i did not pack any extra pants oh no so i immediately have to go to some little like h&m junior kind of place <laughs> and like i buy a couple pairs of jeggings for 18 bucks nice it's great yeah so i'm wearing some of those jeggings now because i'm going to get my 18 euro worth yeah as well can't wait for them to fall apart in a month, but uh, god damn, they are comfortable. I've never worn jeggings before. Good old H&M. Dude. <laughs> mm. I, like, I remember when everyone dug Forever 21 and like, yeah, outfitters. that was me. I was yeah. like all about it. And then after a couple of years, I was like, dude, this stuff just falls, falls apart. apart. It's crazy. I have one fake fur jacket from forever 21 that i it's still in great shape and i'll wear it next time i see you at nam <laughs> but it was i got it on clearance for six dollars and oh, sick. um yeah that was the only thing that made it but everything else it's just like i don't know i usually now i shop at like american giant which is like all their clothes are made in the united states i'm a big fan oh i'll and, check them out yeah, they're really cool. They're I used to work at Lucky Brand before they got sold to Liz Claiborne and all of their clothes remain in the United States. And it was like a really nice selling point for me because I just I I wanna keep supporting people that are making things domestically, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, one of the reasons why all the pickup manufacturers that we all know and love are awesome because most of them make all their stuff here. So um yeah, I was just uh they're just a really cool company. It's a lot of basics and stuff. It is pricey, but I don't know. As as I've discovered working in retail for a long time, it's just like you kind of get what you pay for, you know? Yeah. And honestly, it can be so hard to find just like basic looking stuff too. And that's kind of a drag. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like the more expensive or like the more simple like a, a ring is or jewelry is, the more, the more it costs. Yeah. Like, like the really uh, gaudy stuff seems cheaper for some reason. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating to like 
you know, buy a bunch of clothes. And then like two years later, it's like, okay, there yeah. it goes. <laughs> two years, dude. If only like I, I, for a while I was buying these, uh, pants from dish denim or doer denim, depending on <clears throat> where in the world you are. And they were like, sold as like commuter jeans. So mm. like they were supposed to be really comfortable. They were, they were really stretchy, but, um, they were supposed to be like reinforced for, at least the men's pants were reinforced so that you wouldn't get like the, the sliding of your legs as you bike. Cause I was a bike commuter. I biked to work every single day. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have the, the rubbing and then you, your pants thighs fall apart like immediately. Mm. These fuckers wouldn't last more than like three months. And like, yeah. I, I would go through customer support. I'm like, I am wearing these exactly the way you, you say, like these are supposed to be like robust outdoor jeans. They're like, well, only the men's gussets are reinforced. <sighs> Like, why do the men get better pants? Another reason, I kept buying them, though, because they had pockets, like, real pockets. Like, you could fit a whole smartphone in your front pocket. I was just talking to some friends about this last night. My buddy was like, I'm going to start a women's pants company that sells, like, pants with real pockets. And I was like, you'll be a millionaire, man. (laughs) There's, there's, like, I've seen ads on TikTok for a guy who, that was his whole whole idea. Yeah, I mean, why not, man? (laughs) So, doer women. So, it was, like, dish was the women's, and then doer was the men's and now it's all women but these were these were really comfortable pants like high rise kind of like skinny ish mm-hmm. which is you know i'm a millennial so my skinny jeans you can pry off my dead body <laughs> i keep attesting that to my love of thrash metal and all the thrash metal guys wore like skinny jeans and i'm like yeah. I'm, I'm holding on man <laughs> although i love when I was in eighth grade, I only used to wear like, cause you know, I was a young metalhead, so I'd only wear cargo <laughs> pants. And I like that oh, that's like dude, coming yes. into fashion. Cause I love like baggy cargo pants. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Dude, I love, I mean, I also wore baggy like cargo pants in, in middle school. I was definitely teetering on the goth thing of the, uh, was a hot topic kind of stuff. Oh man, we need to see these photos, Emily. No, you don't. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't think they exist. I think I, I scrubbed them from the internet. Yeah. I also think there were I also think there were tons of like pictures of me from back then. Yeah, I I basically fine. was like because I was a young Metallica fan was wearing like men's double XL t shirts with my baggy yep. pants and I had men's really shirts, men's pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we got all the attention form. from the boys. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> God, I was so skinny too. Yeah, I was Real like. Days. It's like a five seven and 118 pounds <laughs> That's jesus <so> like <laughs> i one, one thing i love about men is that they have no idea how much women weigh so yeah they're like oh that sounds male like that sounds about right and the women are like jesus christ <laughs> 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 like wow like whatever i'm i'm i weigh more now and i'm a lot happier than <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's for sure <laughs> you know food is sick i really like eating food it's it's fucking fantastic me too and me too. if you don't eat a lot of food i really recommend it you know? <laughs> it's weird to me that when people say they're not foodies like i'm just like wait you, you you just don't like food and they're like i just eat for sustenance and i'm like what like how could you not like enjoy like a home-cooked meal from somebody that's like you know like when we were in Italy, um, my husband's family cooked him like 
one of the grandmas cooked us like a homemade lasagna and they Ooh. made us two kinds because they weren't sure if we were going to be vegetarian or not. So one of them oh, was zucchini. I, I bet, I bet she spent all day making that. It was ragu. amazing. And I was like, I don't understand how people are like, no, I can't appreciate this. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're crazy, man. It's like, remember when there was that like Soylent drink that like all the tech bros yeah. were drinking? And it was like slim fast for bros, but <laughs> like, I had a friend whose husband was in that vibe and he was a tech guy and then he just got a less stressful job and he started enjoying food again. Oh man. It, it was like completely stress for him. He's like, I just don't have like to take the time to like eat a meal. That was too stressful for him apparently That's because crazy. he's like, I could be doing something else. I should be doing something else. And that whole like need of like, I should always be doing something is my least favorite trait about myself yeah so I, I can i can relate but you know what i'm not gonna let that get in my way of enjoying really good food yeah exactly that's crazy to me like you gotta like take care of yourself you know like and that's work like should like never <laughs> interfere with that <clears throat> work should never interfere with with food and if you have a job that interferes with food that's probably not a very good job but yeah but no but people who say they don't like food or like don't like eating those are like I don't know I can't trust that kind of thing and like I'm sorry if you're like that but I find it like difficult to relate I yeah. guess but it's like saying you don't like don't really like music oh what, what do God. you like then that one kills me I'm like what you you don't listen to music you've never listened to music you just don't enjoy like one of my mom's friends told me that once and I was like what I don't <laughs> like, understand what? it I don't understand like you just live in silence <laughs> yeah there's not a single artist or song you've ever listened to that you like would love to listen to again i just that doesn't exist for me you know what your childhood's like like what like because for especially of that age like there was no like competition for your time really outside of, of music because there weren't really a ton of video games so that yeah. wasn't something that people were competing with sports maybe but like yeah. I know a lot of musicians who love sports. I'm one of them. Yeah, I love sports too. <laughs> yeah, just... like you can like like lots of things in, in this world. Do, what do you like? Like there are people who just don't seem to like things. I don't like people like people who don't have hobbies. I know oh a lot of gosh. men who don't have hobbies. Oh yeah, you got to do something. I just bought a uh, a cutting board kit from Woodcraft because I need like oh, seven sick. more projects. And I was like, yes. dude, I, I don't, I've never made a cutting board before, but I worked in guitar repair. I was like, I can do this. And you, you know what? That. It'll be satisfying when it's done. You know, that's the first thing that you make in like woodworking classes. Oh, really? That's cool. I think I'm pretty sure it's like a cutting board because it's like, it is like the easiest thing. So is it going to be like um, with, purple heart and stuff in it yeah like all squished together of Sick. course you know as a guitar player i get like all the fancy woods in there <laughs> it's like yes. yeah, do that. yeah oh. so i'll have to go back to my old friends at wood street guitar repair to help uh use some of their power tools because we don't have like a power tool set up in the garage i don't want to get wood, yeah. e wood dust everywhere and we have no dust collection so yeah i am going to be routing out a guitar like uh, so i have a i got one of the fender gold coil jazz masters and at a show, it's completely my fault. Um, uh, I collapsed the input jack. Oh wow! <laughs> Straight angle oh. cables into the front of a guitar. Yeah, I think guitar I saw in space. Yeah, it was my fault. I'm not gonna pretend it's not my fault. It's okay. Stupid. <laughs> I did throw the guitar across the stage. Oh, nice. Very rock and roll. Honestly, I was pissed because every I played this was my second gig with that setup where the like, sound just completely cut out. Mm -hmm. 
like in the last song like i don't understand what the fuck is wrong with my pedal board that this keeps happening so i'm gonna rebuild the whole thing but i guess it's kind of like it was embarrassing so i wanted to do something kind of cool but <clears throat> you can't really buy a replacement pick guard for that yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna have someone recut the pick guard but what i'm going to do in the meantime is i'm because it's actually routed just for the single the, the mini humbuckers mm-hmm. uh that the fake gold foils and i need to route out i need to make essentially create a swimming pool route for it to be able to fit an actual Jazzmaster pickup. So Sweetwater sent me some Kunafe um, Jazzmaster pickups and I'm really excited nice. to put them in. I got a Deco Boom guard. I got a wiring harness from Gun Street. Uh, it's not going to be the full Jazzmaster routing. It's just going to be like, um, you know, master tone, main tone, main volume, and then just a toggle. So no rhythm circuit. Oh, okay. Are you going to do the routing yourself? Yeah, I got a router. Nice. You know, uh, yeah. Stu Mac makes a really cool router base. I need to buy one for my Dremel because oh, I am. Um, I'm gonna make some yes. PRS pickup rings. I wanted to make some out of um, what you call it. Uh, I got this like really nice slab of bird's eye maple, and mm. I've just been kind of sitting on this project for a while. But um, yeah, the router base that Stu Mac has is pretty great. I think it's like eighty bucks. But I'm yeah, not it's sure. It's sixty right now. Oh, ooh! It's on sale. Sale. It's Mac. Very dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, I do have. I have a Dremel. This would have been actually probably about the same price as the the router, the oh, okay. router I bought. But um, you know, I'm a big proponent of Dremels. <laughs> yeah. I have basically a drill press that's just a Dremel oh, situation. Sick. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, Dremels. I think I bought that Dremel for like 10 bucks at a flea market. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hard to, hard to go wrong with, with that. And it's a lot easier to use. So I'm going to watch a shit ton of videos about using a um, router and go very slow and wear a rest like P like nine and 95. Yeah. And 95. Yeah. That, that's good. Know. A good practice. It's funny. Cause when I solder, I would always wear my half face respirator and I felt mm-hmm. like I would get a lot of people like talking shit. And I was like, you know, there's lead in the solder. And yeah, I don't want even, my... lead, even lead free <laughs> solder has lead in it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, it's cool, man. Like, I don't need like respiratory problems, you know, it's mental problems. <laughs> yeah. Like all the lead in the air for so long is like theorized to be why like some people get older and just become like monsters yeah absolutely because all the lead poisoning yeah for us it's gonna be microplastics yeah you just i mean i feel like it's and i'm not trying to like you know knock on older generations but i feel like the really kind of older mindset like oh it's cool just like hold your breath you'll be fine i'm like uh i'm like literally like cutting shell for an inlay right now i'm like breathing in abalone or like mother i don't broad. want i don't want I don't, it's I not supposed to go in here yeah it's not supposed to go in there like just because it won't immediately make you violently ill doesn't mean that you want it in there yeah maybe keep things out of your body that aren't made to go in your body that's yeah. my general rule of lots of things in life that's one nice thing about having worked in a guitar pro shop is like most of the guys were very like cognizant of that kind of stuff like hey you you need to wear safety goggles when you're like you know using power tools or oh my god you know, i had a, a we had a old coworker one time i can tell this story because i i'm probably allowed to tell the story but he like so stumac makes those little ca um like applicators and like there's like a little wick tip at the end of it and most 
everybody at the shop either wore glasses or knew to wear safety goggles. This one particular person, um, instead of like putting it down to like check it, and you could see like all the guitar and neck holders we had at the shop were like covered in CA and glue and stuff. Um, but yeah, instead of like turning it down, he like held it upright and was like poking it, like, you know, trying to make sure that the glue is coming out and just CA just flew out into his eyeball and he comes around the corner and he tells me, uh, I think I got super glue in my eye. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know what to do. I was like freaking out. I was like looking it up online, like furiously, what do you do? What do you do? And so I'm like having him like flush his eye out. And of course he couldn't drive after that. So my boss had yeah. to drive him home. Oh. Um, but if you ever get CA in your eyeball, uh, they do make an eye flush, but apparently like uh, the proteins in your eye will solidify the foreign object, in this case, the glue and a couple days it'll just come out, but you have to keep your eyes closed or your eye closed for a few days. Anyways, I was very mad at this person because i was oh like dude like you could have really hurt yourself you know like guitar repair is not just like you know you gotta you gotta be careful man yeah i mean people don't like to think about these things as being dangerous but they are we just normalize them a little bit too much and uh you see a lot of people do it in wrong ways and yeah. they may have a lot more experience but even with them like something can just break in a weird way fly up into your eye and you, you can't, you don't, you don't get a, you don't get another one. Yeah. You don't get two chances at that. Uh, so yeah, just take care of the things. If you only have ones, take care of your hearing. Yeah. Wear earplugs. Wear fucking earplugs. It's so important. People are like, they oh, it's cool. I'm deaf them. anyways. I'm like, dude, when you're 60, you're going to hate that you said that about yourself. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> like, oh, like, like 30 year olds, like talking about like their body pains. You're like, not to dismiss the very real physical pain that you're experiencing, but I'm pretty sure that even in five years, we're going to feel things we could not fucking imagine. Yeah. Feeling. I, as a metalhead, I'm always like trying to convince these people that come to shows and they're like, oh, I don't need to wear earplugs. I'm like, dude, yes, you do. this guy's playing tech death. You need earplugs, man. Like, yeah. it's not like healthy to like go to shows like this. I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm like, 120 decibels can damage your hearing in five minutes. Yeah, and these guys are playing at like 200 BPM. It's like, dude, just wear the damn earplugs. Get some nice ones so you'll like yeah. them or something. <laughs> yeah, just uh, get get like the, um, I got some Ultimate Ears uh, fitted ones and they're oh, great. So but for most of the time, I just use these, they're called Eries. Mm -hmm. And they like, they let in more high frequencies, nice. which is nice because that's what like the foam ones tend to ruin <clears throat> but like i don't i don't get a shows without without earplugs i just i feel like it's painful i like yeah. playing in iems which whenever i can because then it's less pain i know <laughs> we've had this conversation before <laughs> silent <laughs> stages and whatnot but uh yeah yeah everybody uh look after your hearing because another another problem that people don't think about is um drinking at shows mm. and drinking dulls all of your senses including your hearing so just because in that moment you, you don't feel the pain of it tomorrow you might it's like bumping your your arm against the door frame when you're a little drunk like you wake up next to you, where the fuck did this bruise come from and then you're like <laughs> oh uh yeah i was <clears throat> i was drinking for free last night so uh that kind of thing so that's that's a big problem that people have especially like at shows you get drunk you don't feel like you need the earplugs but you do. We so do. It's so important. I haven't yeah. not worn earplugs to a show since 2005 because I went yeah. to see one of my favorite melodic death metal bands. They were touring at the time. 
uh, they played at Slim's, this band called Soil Work, and I didn't wear earplugs and I left the show and I was like, I will never not wear earplugs again. It was so loud, so loud. And if you go to like a few more technical metal shows and I've gone to hundreds in my lifetime, it's like, you just, why don't do it. It's yeah. silly. Even a big, that, that ringing, that ringing you hear the next day, guys, that's, that's damage. That's hearing yeah, damage. It's and damage. once it's there, like it doesn't really go away. Yeah. Like, it, maybe it does over a long period of time, but like I knew people in my in college who listened to their iPods so loud that they had t- constant tinnitus in college, and they were figure- they learned the hard way that it doesn't get better. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, wear your N95s or respirators when you're working with lead. Wear your safety goggles. Make sure that they're rated for impact. Uh, <laughs> wear earplugs to shows wear a helmet <laughs> you ride your bicycle this is from mama emily and mama monique yes we <laughs> public are public service announcement take care I'm always, of yourself i'm dink. always the mom in my bands let me tell you <laughs> take care of yourself damn it yes and maybe don't drink to blackout every night just just an idea yeah just an idea on tour exactly yeah you gotta do something next day well everybody out there Thanks for listening. Thanks for not watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Check out Monique at Instagram.com slash Mosa Hefu. Mosa Hefu. And we need rep we need repetition for your band name. Oh yeah, it's Embryum. And you can find us online if you search for Embryum Band. Um, you can listen to some soulful sounds of black gays. Hell yes. Well, Monique, thank you so much for doing this with me. For everybody else out there, I'm really bad at mentioning this, but we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash get offset. You get exclusive access to our Discord server that has some great people. You often get to see non-embargoed demos a little bit early, which is really cool. I'll also talk to you there more quickly than other places on the internet just because it's it's my little safe space. Um, we got merch at podcast.com slash shop, including a face... Emily Dumb face shirt, which the other day when I was flying into Minneapolis, my friend Kyle didn't tell me he was coming and he's just waiting there at my gate in a shirt with my face on it, which made me so happy. Uh, uh, yeah. What else? Affiliate links in the video description, especially the Sweetwater one. Please use that affiliate link. Every time you use that link to shop over the next 14 days, I get a small kickback and it is actually a pretty meaningful one. So Thank you to Sweetwater for all that you do. Also have affiliate link for like Seymour Duncan and Reverb and Perfect Circuit, though I haven't checked the Perfect Circuit one in a while. Might have been removed from that program. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, Sweetwater has been great to me. <clears throat> so yeah, what else? Anything else? Anything else for you? Um. I don't know. Support Emily. She's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Support Monique. She's also amazing. Everybody out there until next time. My name is Emily. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.